Hello everyone, I'm Dana Stewart-Bullock and this is Transformational Therapeutics, the language of healing. In today's episode, I will be talking about how I see the importance of the difference between labeling something and naming it. Rebecca and I will discuss this difference and its impact in real life situations. So welcome. Do you have a definition? Yes. A name. A name. The definition of a name is something that carries with it a recognition of someone or something for its qualities and associations. Hmm. And it's interesting that the word label, the origin is from Middle English denoting a narrow strip. Oh, fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, the difference between naming and labeling, naming is a much richer, deeper understanding, whereas a label is narrow. One of the podcasts, we talked about the difference between a sign and a symbol. Mm. And so a sign was like a stop sign, but a symbol was something that describes something that isn't really describable. So you have to use other ways of describing it. So for me, it's similar in that a name, it carries with it the qualities, which is sort of what a symbol does, the qualities of something, whereas a label is just, again, it's a narrow strip. A label to me in this model is a full stop. And I see people labeling over and over and over again, rather than naming something. If I name something, it gives me a pathway into something else. A label is a full stop. So let me think of an example. I'm going to take a herniated disc. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So someone will come to me and say they have a herniated disc. And in their mind's eye, there are all sorts of associations with that because of the medical model. And they're not given many options in terms of what that means. I had a patient come recently and he said to me, well, I have this leg pain. I think I have a disc, not a herniated. I think I have a disc. (laughs) And to me, that's a label that is a full stop because there wasn't any thinking beyond the disc. And me, this is personal because of my knowledge base, knowing what can cause pain and what is actually the mechanism of a disc herniation, what causes it, how the body can heal itself. To me, it's just like, oh, this is fun. Okay, I'm going to show you, even if it is a herniated disc, that it doesn't have the meaning that you've attached to it, which is a full stop. Because in our culture, a disc is a negative thing. So I guess naming and labeling has much more to do with the intention behind it. For sure. And this patient didn't even realize that his intention was so limited. In his mind's eye, he didn't even know what a disc was. He just knew it was a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So someone had obviously said to him, oh, you have a disc. If you've got sciatica, you have a disc. While that may be true, it doesn't anywhere near describe what might be going on physiologically underneath that label. For me, it's like, okay, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Because this is really a model about meaning. And so when somebody comes to me and says, I have sciatica and a disc, A, it means right away, if you have a disc, it means a herniated disc, and it means a hypermobile segment. And sciatica, it means you have pain in your nerve. That's all it means to me. It doesn't tell me why you have pain, what's causing it, that sort of thing. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to change your perception of your own body 
Right. And its own abilities to heal. And so this person came to me with sciatica, you know, leg pain, which is associated with disc herniation. But in actuality, when I evaluated him, he had a real restriction in range of motion in his shoulder. And so when I treated that out and freed up the restriction in his shoulder, his sciatica went away. Hmm. To me, the labels that we use for symptoms are really the end product of some other happening in our bodies. And I'm always asking for the why behind the why. So why do you have sciatica? If I asked you that and you said, because I had a herniated disc, I would say, why do you have a herniated disc? And then I would follow it through with an evaluation, knowing that by definition, the biomechanics of a disc herniation are that it's a segment that moves too much. It's like a tire where the air has come out of it. So why is that happening? Why is that segment moving too much? Oh, there must be a restriction somewhere down the line or up the line. And then if I treat that restriction, it takes the stress and the forces off that actual herniated disc and allows it to heal. Because I have a fundamental belief that the body has a profound ability to heal itself if we give it a little assistance. Mm. Right. So that story is a beautiful example of how someone came to you with a narrow view of what they were experiencing. They didn't see many outs of this pain. It was, I have this pain because of this. And so that must mean that I'm supposed to have pain and I don't know what to do about it. And you then using this model of transformational therapeutics expanded that and used that as not a full stop, but as an opening. And you started naming it and naming what else could be and looking for meaning and asking questions and letting that take you to other places to eventually find where the problem actually was and what the solution was. And I think that's that's a powerful thing because of the way our culture is and Western medicine and what we're conditioned to believe that when we're told a label, then we almost embody it even more. At least I tend to see that in if my doctor tells me that I just got diagnosed with a herniated disc and that presents as pain in my back then now that means that I have to have pain in my back every single day. So I'm just going to assume that there's pain in my back as long as I have this herniated disc without ever really questioning that and even checking in with my body to see if I do have pain still. That's something that I've done in my meditation practice and yoga practice is really checking in with the way my body feels because we tend to assume we know how it feels based on the labels we have and our past experiences. And so I see it as this model helps to get out of that narrow view and you can open it up to then learn from this pain is a, is my body talking to me? It's not right. something to be ignored. Right. It's not something to slap a Band-Aid on and look the other way. Instead, it's an entry point to learn and figure out what is actually really going on. And, and also on another level to have a conversation with it. Yeah. To have the back and forth internally with your body and to educate yourself that there are other ways of seeing it. I mean, mm-hmm. again, I always talk about going back to perception and changing your perception. Yeah. And some of that is simply because I have a large knowledge base, but it's also, I think, I think it's just how I think and always asking the why behind the why and having this fundamental belief in the body's ability to heal itself. We have so many abilities in our physiology to correct and heal and reach new potentials that until we've exhausted them all, 
anything's possible. Yeah, so true. And one of the episodes we did was on choice and how by questioning and doing everything that we've talked about in this episode, it opens up more choices. Like that patient of yours came in with very few choices based on his label. And then you provided the perspective to open up more choices, more opportunities. And actually, it wasn't that I, sorry, Rebecca, I wouldn't call it the perspective. That was internal. Mm. But I provided the experience Mm. that countered. Because for me, learning is all experiential. And so Mm -hmm. to experience the change in your pain pattern is very profound. Absolutely. When you've been given a label that's a full stop. I remember years ago when I would work with kids with cerebral palsy, and that is a label that has all kinds of baggage that goes with it. And it presets us to see in a certain way. And I just found that boring. It's like, this is boring. (laughs) (laughs) There must be another way to see it. And when you can provide the person with whatever the dysfunction is with an experience that changes actually their experience of that label, then you Mm -hmm. open up new worlds to them. 100%. That's what this podcast is all about and what this model is all about. And actually, it's really fascinating because I think about this very thing a lot in my personal life already, even, you know, as I've shared in previous episodes that I, I run and various little aches and pains and things happen with running. And I remember one episode you told me that if I assume that you get tendonitis at a certain level of mileage, then I probably will get tendonitis at a certain level of mileage. And to me, that's a label. So now I kind of go into things a little bit more curious, looking at the bigger picture and maybe... Yeah, I think also just acknowledging there's so much that we don't know. And what if there's something that never occurred to me before that it could be something else? Or I don't think for the many thousands of patients I've treated particularly patients with herniated discs and back problems, you're right. I see them coming in with this preconceived belief, and this goes to beliefs, about what the outcome will be because of the cultural impact. Yeah. That is sort of why back when I was in graduate school, I mean, we learned not to treat pain, but to treat dysfunction. Mm. Usually, if you can change the dysfunction, you can change the pain pattern. And our culture doesn't really support that a lot. Ours is really a pain-oriented culture. And for me, pain is, it's a signal, but it's not a diagnosis. Right. And also, our culture does not handle pain very well either. We see it as, this is something that is wrong. We need to fix this. This is bad. We don't move through good pain. We don't push ourselves. We don't, like, there's, there's other cultures that do it differently than we do. And it's almost like as we've evolved and gotten more and more comfortable with all of our little comforts all around, those little aches and pains become even more blaringly obvious. And we've been trained to pop an Advil or, you know, immediately go to the doctor or do something to avoid it or fix it without ever listening to it and having a conversation with it, using it as an opportunity to discover what it is that your body is sharing with you that wants you to know so that you can move forward stronger, not just destined to be in pain. I, I was sick a lot as a child and I can't tell you how many doctors told me that I would be on a specific medication for the rest of my life or I would have a specific feeling for the rest of my life or I would just, oh, yep, this is it. We can't fix it. So it'll just be that way 
forevermore. And something in me was like, well, that sucks. But something else was like, I don't really think that's true. And it, it's not because I'm not on any of those medications now and haven't been for a while. But it, it is so fascinating. It has something to do with an opportunity. Yeah. Seeing something as an opportunity rather than a stop. Yeah. Yeah. And that coming full circle, the definition of the label versus the definition of the name kind of really shares that the label is a stop. The name is an opportunity. Right. Can you read those definitions again? The name carries with it a recognition of someone or something for its qualities and associations. And I think associations, for me, it's an important word Mm. because from a psychological standpoint, and associative learning is really deep in the brain. It's Pavlovian. It's what you associate with an experience. And so much of it is unconscious and we don't know about it. And if you then examine where it originated from, which is what I talk about in terms of language, where did language originate from? And when I was having this discussion this morning with someone, we were talking about love. And my definition of love is oftentimes very different from somebody else's definition. And that will oftentimes get me in trouble. Mm. Because for me, and I've spent long time analyzing this and thinking about it and love for me is an action love is an action it's that simple but for many people it's a word and it's a statement and so if i think it's an action and somebody else thinks it's just a statement then we're in two different paradigms we're not on the same playing field and so then all of my stuff comes up if somebody's not acting they're just saying it And it's just fascinating to me, the lack of common ground and how important it is to really define. And I'm going to go back around because I went off on a tangent about associations, not understanding the associations that we have with symptoms. And the associations are from another area of our brain, a very primitive area that we can then change once we understand that it's an association. Yes. And that also... To me, as soon as you said the word association, I too felt it was so important because then it's almost like shining a light on an area of something yet to be discovered in the subconscious that, oh, wait a second, what are you associating here? Where That's a whole new pathway to explore. And there's many episodes available to support you in that if you're listening to this and are curious how to do so. (laughs) But also, it all comes back to power. I mean, that's fundamentally for me, perception and power. And I think about this man who came in with the sciatica and the disc. And as I'm treating him, as I'm questioning, when does it happen? How does it happen? When is it better? When is it worse? He was able to come up with, it has to do with being in his tractor. And the fact that now we're in a drought and the ground is very hard and bounces him around. Mm. And so now he has a tool or even just an understanding of perhaps how to move differently or sit differently in his tractor so that it doesn't impact his physiology and give him that kind of pain. Right. And so that is a way of empowering him to see it differently. Right. A, to help him not have the symptoms anymore, to not have the sciatica, and B, then to empower him that he can in real time have an impact on whether or not he has sciatica by how he functions in his tractor. Mm -hmm. Right. So basically, what we're saying then through this whole episode is that labels are disempowering and names are empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So I think 
at least for me, just through this conversation, I'm excited to explore and I invite the listener to as well. And I'm curious to hear if you have any other thoughts on this, but I'm excited to explore just noticing where I might find certain labels within myself and within my activities throughout this next week and just notice, oh, wait a second, there's a label. And can I shift and and zoom out a little bit and get curious and ask questions so that it is not a narrow strip and instead something that's pointing to qualities and associations that I might have where I can learn and empower myself. Wonderful. All right. Well, thanks, Dana. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our show on Substack. There, you can have an opportunity to comment on this episode. And we would love to hear from you. Dana will personally respond to you and she'd love to hear your biggest takeaway from this episode. If you have questions, if you want to discuss, we would just love that. So be sure to subscribe on Substack. It's free. It's a wonderful way to connect and it's the best way to support this show. I would like to say that I'm thankful for you tuning in and I would love to hear feedback. If you could email me at transformationaltherapeutics at gmail.com and give me feedback on the podcast, perhaps suggest subjects that you would like me to cover in the future. And when I receive that feedback, I'd love to highlight and publicly thank whoever has sent it to me. I really enjoy sharing this with you. Mm